Hi everyone, welcome to STEPS audio channel. We are very excited to share our content from STEPS events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech, and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel and we hope you enjoy the content. Okay, so uh, thank you for coming on. I know we have a very diverse panel today and I would like everybody to uh, introduce themselves. Uh, Let's start with uh, Kenzie. Hi, everyone. I'm Kenzie, head of platform at uh, Outliers Venture Capital. We're an early stage VC investing in MENA and in the US. Hi, I'm Priya Rajan, market lead for Middle East, North Africa, and India for Silicon Valley Bank. We're a commercial bank. We've been around for 40 plus years, exclusively focused on innovation ecosystem. So we work with multiple startups and funds from this region. So excited to be here. Thank you. Hi, Ritesh Talani. I'm one of the founders of Enhanced Ventures. We're a venture studio focused on the Manap region. We've built a number of online marketplaces, and we now have fun to build the next 12 ventures focused on the future of finance and commerce. Fantastic. And I, as I said, you guys are, we, we do really come from every side of the, uh, the angle of investment, accelerator, venture studio, bank, and really fun. So, um, you know, as per uh, Magnet, last year, Mina saw $3 billion worth of investments. And how is that really affecting the startup ecosystem? I'd like to know, you know, I think that's the highest we've ever raised in this region. Uh, we're seeing this whole ecosystem being nourished uh, with funding. So what has changed with you guys? Like, like can, can we talk more about that, Ritesh? Sure. Well, um... I feel like a bit of a veteran. I've been doing this now for 13 years, uh, just being in the startup space in a variety of different uh, capacities. Um, everything from a single founder to a VC to now having a co-founder, building a studio, uh, and everything in between. And what I've seen in the regional ecosystem is uh, struggle fundraising in the early days when there simply weren't enough VCs to start off with. And even the ones that existed would rather invest in tried and tested models, right? So there wasn't much room for innovation back then, which is something I tried my hand at and failed miserably and fell flat in my face with um, and then had to pick myself up, start from scratch, went over to the VC side, as I mentioned, to like kind of, you know, show them the, the light and the way to do things um, and, and then went back to being an entrepreneur. But in, in general, since then, we've had a number of new players joined the ecosystem, especially on the funding side. So, you know, a lot more VCs in general, some institutional investors. Um, we've had a lot of sovereign wealth funds investing in, in both capacities, so later stage ventures, um, bigger ticket, and also fund of funds. So seeding a lot more funds so that we have more investors to talk to. Um, we've also seen a lot of uh, corporate VCs and, and family offices investing as well. Um, and, and, and everything in between. And so th there are a lot more investors, more people to talk to. Uh, unfortunately, we're still at a stage where uh, the level of sophistication and experience is, you know, on average, not, not there when compared to other more mature ecosystems. So it's, there's a bit of a learning curve. So as you get more new investors coming into the ecosystem, it takes them some time to find their footing, to, you know, uh, get involved in a few deals uh, where they wouldn't be leading themselves. Uh, they'd look for a lead investor who has more experience and capacity and capability to do the actual valuation of an investment opportunity. And, uh, and they get more experience, and then at some point, hopefully, many more of them are comfortable leading. So 
that's something when we come to the challenges, I think I'm, I'm touching yeah. on already is, you know, finding enough lead investors, which I'm sure a lot of uh, founders in the audience can uh, vouch for. To. Yeah. If I can just add on, I think you, you raised a lot of great points there. Uh, what we work with markets that SVB does not, our bank does not have a physical presence in, but we feel the next set of innovation is happening. So we focus on LATAM, Middle East, North Africa, uh, India, and Australia and New Zealand as four key markets. So if you look at like 2022 fundraise, it, it was so interesting to see. MENA was the only region out of the four that had the, 20, the 2022 BC fundraise that was higher than 2021. None of the other four, even though the India and Latin, I would consider them a much more mature market. So that is a trend in the right direction. So I completely agree with a lot of things that he said. I think what is happening is I think there's a strong kind of a movement in terms of like the high growth that's happening in the Middle East, specifically in this region. So there's something to look out for. So I think for us, we're definitely uniquely positioned um, in this region. There are so many exciting things happening and great opportunities. But I think the thing that we've noticed a lot is this power shift um, between founders and investors. And now you're seeing founders really being in the driving seat and demanding really so much more from, them, from their investors. And rightly so, right? Because they just want to kind of, um, you know, have this support and like be enabled and like be able to like reach their objectives. And I don't think they can do that like by themselves. They need the support of their investors. And, and I think that's like a clear, um, there's been a clear power shift over the last few years. Okay, yeah, and I uh, listen. I I do agree with Ritesh because I've been a part of this ecosystem for almost twenty years as well. So um, I think uh, when I first pitched my own startup uh, twenty years ago, there was maybe two institutional VCs, and now we have so many uh, popping up. And uh, in saying that, you know, in the last decade, how did like maybe some of you haven't been in this ecosystem, but how did you see the funding actually change drastically? Uh, the types of uh, investments, uh, even the, the size of funds and stuff like that. I'd like to know more what, what's been happening in the last decade when it comes to funding. Who wants to take a stab at that? I think Ritesh, you should. Because <laughs> you just mentioned you've been here for 13 years. Yeah, so, uh, so look, over the last decade, I mean, as, as I mentioned, some of the evolution that we've seen is more and more investors coming in, right? Now, because they're not really competing with each other. They're kind of piggybacking off of each other's experience and, and deal flow. Uh, what we found is the terms that founders get have not exactly been founder friendly, mm. uh, to put it mildly. Yeah. And, uh, and so that discourages a lot of people from taking that leap and becoming a founder. So first of all, there are very few people to talk to and fine, you have more and more over time. But even the few that you are talking to and, and, and the few more that you're talking to, they're not giving you the best terms. So you end up diluting way too much for it to be worth your while. And at the end of the day, if the founder doesn't really, is not motivated to get out of bed and, and bust his butt to, to actually build something, um, you don't really have much value being created. Yep. So it's kind of a chicken and egg. And I think um, hopefully with you know, more and more investors coming in from outside the regional ecosystem, uh, we've seen... Uh, some of the trends more in the positive direction where you see valuations inching their way up and you have, you know, the Axels and, and our friends at Sequoia now more active in the region as well. You know, Tiger and, and so on have already made big investments, but more later stage. So that doesn't help too much when you look at early stage. Yeah. Um, but with the international earlier stage investors coming in, it, it gives a lot of us founders hope 
that will get more fair terms and and also just the process right the process has been just painful at best yes um you know you you start talking to an investor and many of them won't give you a straight answer they want to learn more and that's fair but at some point they're looking for signals from other investors right maybe a lead investor and if you don't have a lead then you're kind of dead in the water um and and so you have a lot of these investors that are not sure they want to invest but they won't say no and i think that's a bit of a cultural thing as well yeah i, I totally agree to that and and there's also fomo right because if you say no then the, the founder stops talking to you and if all of a sudden they start picking up steam then you've already said no and you're out of the game and you miss out right so uh so so that kind of makes the founder's life more difficult because now they're talking to that many more people because nobody's saying no and you want to you, you have this hope alive inside of you that somebody's going to say yes but you don't know which one so you have to talk to all of them yeah right and so you're spending all this time talking to investors meanwhile you're Who's supposed to be building business? a freaking yeah. business right yeah. that's where the value really comes from yep yep so so what do you do it's a catch 22 and and that's, that's what we've been facing over the last yep. decade or so I would like to hear what you have. I would just add on to say it's a very consistent story that you hear from any emerging market, right? Uh, I I would say Mina reminds me of like India a few years back or Latam a few years back. It's catching up, but it is there's still a long ways to go there, but I think it's getting there. But these are obviously some of the hard problems in the founders face and there's a reason why that's happening because I think investors are wanting to get that knowledge and there it's it's risk averse right everyone wants the returns lps pushing down on gps to make their returns and gps are wanting to make sure they're making the right bets so it's kind of coming down and i would only see 2023 it's going to be more of the of that because we're entering some uncertain times there's a push from top down and everybody wants to make the returns but that said i would you know i think where where we sit from i think we're sitting from a global lens the ask from lps to gps and gps to founders is focus on what your core vertical is focus on what matters focus on business obviously reduce your burn what you need it to but continue to build because the right companies are still being funded yeah. uh, at the right valuation yes you may not have the as much as the leverage that you used to have like maybe in 2021 but your right companies are still getting funded by the right investors so i think uh, keeping the optimism up and continuing to build is key so if i may just add to that i think one really positive a uh, result that we've seen over the last decade or so is um exits exits are great for any early stage ecosystem right because it spurs on more activity and it gives investors both gps and lps more confidence in the fact that there are returns to be had mm. at all right because before the first exit everyone was just putting money in i mean the few investors that we did have were putting money in with the hope that they'll get an exit but nobody knew for a fact that they would because You know, what does an exit look like where does it come from how much can you make nobody knows and so with matub and then souk and and you know all the others that we've had the kareem was the big one obviously the first unicorn in the region uh, that was great and so all of a sudden not only do you have gps and lps more keen on this asset class you also have a lot more founders yeah. right and people have actually have money to be able to quit their jobs because they had esop in a company that exited and take that leap of faith and become founders and start their own ventures and you know there's kind of that seal of approval that you went to this academy or or, or school or training ground for entrepreneurship sure. called Kareem or Souk or Jabbar or whatever it might be and so there are a lot more ventures to invest in ones that will hopefully create real value yep. right with experience with the right mentor network with the right angel investors 
who are also an outcome of these exits. Yep. Right. I keep saying that we need to create more heroes and more stories because that will actually attract more investors into our ecosystem. We need to build more angels. We need to talk about more um, funds that come in, even on like seed uh, funds. We don't have a lot of them. I think, uh, uh, as Ritesh mentioned earlier, I believe later stage money is available, but I think because people kind of want to bet on the sure thing. Um, but in saying that, uh, I want to start with Kenzie. Uh, what do you like? Let's let's talk about the other side. Let's talk about the challenges with the VCs. Like, what challenges are you guys facing uh, in this ecosystem? Let's let's talk about like what are you seeing right now on the market? We're seeing so many things. I think I want to just touch on the, the the point that you guys shared about um, about Mina ecosystem in general. We're obviously they're a clear sign of like a thriving ecosystem. Like, you know, Saudi funding increased by more than seventy percent. Egypt funding increased by three percent. From 2021 to 2022, we're, start, we're starting to see a lot more international investors, you know, coming and putting money into this region. And I think all that takes time, right? Like to like effort, like be together, like collaborate, work together, and we'll reach, I think, like what we want to reach. And we have all the signs of like, you know, we're on the right track, that's for sure. Um, I think in terms of challenges, like obviously, like I think it's hard from you know, we're such a small team, we're like five people internally. Um, we would love to kind of spend all the time in the world with the founders, if possible. But like, you know, we have a fund to run, we have like a post-investment support strategy and platform functions that take also a lot of time. Um, so they are like amazing founders. They are like, you know, inc incredible like opportunities. And, uh, and we want to keep working with like other funds as well to kind of showcase what this region has to offer. I'd love to hear what Priya said as well. Community is a big part. I think we were talking about backstage about at this moment, I think it's even more important that it's beyond capital. As you're looking for an investor, I think look for what brings, I mean, obviously capital is important. You need to keep the machine running, but what do they bring beyond that, right? Like I think that's super important, the value beyond kind of the dollar, uh, whether it be it's go to market, whether it be it's access to talent, or whether it be it's just to get some discipline in how to spend money, or you know, are you focusing on the right business model? So I think uh, whether whatever stage that you're looking for that dollar, whether it be it's super angel or an angel or an accelerator that you're looking into, or a, you know, VC firm such as Sequoia. So find out like, are they rightly aligned to what you're building? And I think uh, that is key as you're going into this. I think if I may add to that, uh, one of the themes that uh, we've been seeing at Enhance over the last few years is um, what, what I mean, soundbite here. So capital has to be more proactive is the message that everyone's getting across the board, right? Essentially, it, the, gone are the days where VCs would be people who've managed to pool together a lot of funds from LPs and they just sit and they wait for founders to come and find them, maybe at events like this, right? And pitch them, and if the VC likes it, they write a check, right? Now, it's much more proactivity where these, because there's so many startups to pick from, there's so much noise, you have to filter, and you have to learn you know, how, to, how to find the, the right founders, the right models, and, and not just that, you have to actually go out there and you know, promote yourself, build awareness for what you're doing and how you differentiate yourself. So what, of the, what, what a lot of the more mature uh, VC firms have started to do is they've started building capabilities in-house for everything from tech and growth hacking and talent acquisition, right? Where 
once you've invested in a company and it becomes your portfolio company, you're not just sitting there waiting for returns to be had, or, or you know, at best what they used to do back in the day was, you know, help find potential you know, investors for the next round, yeah. right? Or maybe double down with them as well and so on. But now it's literally like loaning a CTO for three months or six months or loading a growth hacker that they've flown in from the Valley, for example, right? Um, and so with VCs moving more in that direction where they're a little more hands-on, um, there's a clear opportunity for somebody to be even more hands-on where they provide essentially uh, a startup in a box for found first-time founders especially, but even second and third-time founders as well in our experience, where they could work with somebody like us, uh, a venture studio, right? And that's also partly why accelerators and incubators exist, because you need more than just capital. Sure. Right? You need more guidance, you need more you know, um, skills that you need to build up and you need mentorship from outside uh, of your company for that and your investors. And so what we do as a studio is we have uh, not just a trade license and not just one here in the UAE, but in Saudi, which is the market to be in if you're targeting this region and other markets like Egypt and Jordan and so on. We also have um, a database of talent that we can tap into to recruit into each and every venture. We have uh, a tech center of excellence in Turkey, in Istanbul, where you have fantastic talent, all in-house, ready to build the next product for us and our potential co-founders that we recruit. Um, we have all this marketing expertise that we've built up and a playbook around that. And we also provide funding nice. for the first year, for example, yep. in our case, right? So essentially, somebody who wants to build the next venture and shows a lot of talent and potential could essentially partner with us and not have to worry about a lot of the trials and tribulations that a first-time or second-time founder would have to go through in that first year. And if anything, we compress two or three years worth of development and growth and progress into that one year. So you can actually get to a Series A in much less time. And we actually have stats that, I mean, we. so my partner and I sit on the boards of the two biggest collectives of studios around the world and the Global Startup Studio Network and Studio Hub. And uh, GSSN actually conducted a survey where they compared studios to VC outcomes, right? And on average, the IRR for VCs is 21.3%. The average IRR for a studio is 53%. We at Enhance ourselves, our portfolio is tracking at about 72% right now, wow. right? So, and, and it's partly because it takes less capital to get to the same stage and it takes less time to get to that same stage. So obviously our R is gonna be much higher, but your risk of failure also goes down dramatically. And so these are some of the things that like, I mean, we basically seen what the VCs were doing and taking it to an extreme where we're very, very hands-on. We're essentially an institutional co-founder. Sure. Right. So this is uh, actually just like, I was gonna just ask you about the alternative uh, 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 models for VC right now and you just obviously explained the whole studio and you know, have, which is great because it, it, like we, we have our own studio as well and uh, I kept pitching it to founders like we're startup on steroids uh, you can get to you know the rounds and you get to the certain growth stage of the company as much faster levels but I want to hear from you guys as well you know what other you know alternative models you guys are looking into or have seen that work uh, especially in Silicon Valley or uh, places that you guys operate out of, Priya? I mean, I think accelerators are perfect. I think especially if you're a first-time founder from an idea to you don't know how to kind of launch, 
accelerators are perfect and studio venture studios are the best part. One a founder journey is so lonely and you don't know where to start, how to start. Why, why try to like figure it out if you can kind of learn from people who have already been there, done that. I think that's the best part. As you continue to grow, I think it depends on the seed in Series A and the stages of, so try to look through the VC again, going back to the earlier point, find out the VCs that are, if you're working on a fintech sector or which, which frontier tech, work with the VCs who have been there and invested in the portfolio companies of that. So they have that market knowledge and within, as, as earlier mentioned, within the team, they have expertise on go-to-market, they have expertise on hiring, they have expertise on kind of like fundraising and co-investment opportunities or even exit. So I think understanding those, that would be one. And last but not the least is venture debt. So at the end of the day, there's access to capital with obviously equity, and but also debt. So now I know there's a lot more conversation about debt in this ecosystem, which if you kind of turn back in time, like three years ago, I don't think anyone knew what venture debt was. So now I think there's a conversation about venture debt. Is the debt right for you? It's something question that you need to kind of think about. But if it is right, don't be afraid to kind of explore to take it because it is going to give you extending the runway, which is less dilutive than equity capital, okay. especially during hard times when the valuations are not what you wanted. So something to consider as you're kind of fundraising for your next round. I believe venture debt is, uh, honestly, if I had ventured that on my first startup in the late, uh, early 2000s, um, come to think about it right now, I'd definitely pick it over VC any day. Uh, but then again, because I kind of knew where it went, but uh, uh, I think venture debt is uh, a, a great instrument, especially for serial entrepreneurs and serial founders, because they, they, you know, you said a great thing about accelerators and venture studios is they do teach because we get a lot of founders or domain experts, but they don't know how to run a business. They might know something like how to do something really, really well, but they're not. So the accelerator gives you that whole rounded uh, experience about that. Uh, it's like that. I'd love to hear what Amars uh, is doing as well. Yeah, I think for us, like, I kind of want to bring up the, the term like VC 3.0 and like operational empathy. I think for us, it's 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 like really one of our biggest value proposition, right, to our portfolio and to this ecosystem. It's if you have been in the founder seat in the past, you're really you know able to understand their pain points and challenges, and you're just so much more likely to like help them in their journey, right, and reach their objectives and. And I think like when it comes to like platform strategy and like value creation, I don't think like, you know, everyone can have the same because like, you know, your team brings like unique expertise and, and, and like unique capabilities and like you need to understand like what your portfolio really needs and how are you like best positioned to kind of like help them get to the next level. Be it fundraising, be it, you know, talent and hiring, business development, introduction to corporates, like, uh, there's there's so many functions, right? And I think you need to kind of focus on where you can really add value and, and just like ace it from that moment. Okay. Um, Actually, if I may just add to that. So I think the few other models that we've seen aside from, so venture debt is a great one and it's finally come to the region, right? And uh, there, obviously, equity is dear and by virtue of that, venture capital is expensive because you have to, and you, especially if you're diluting dramatically, right? And so, so venture debt is fantastic. And there's some variations to that as well, where you have, for example, invoice factoring now as well. I've seen more and more companies doing, you know, providing solutions around invoice factoring and, and by extension of that as well, revenue-based financing, right? So looking at your revenue streams coming up in the next 12 months, for example, giving you a lump sum upfront and taking 
all of that or chunks of that revenue over time. And, and so there are more solutions. Now, some of these are specific to, for example, B2B plays where you have regular revenue streams, you have invoices that you cut contracts up front for the next one year. And, and so it's limited to, to certain people and not others. Uh, but there are more and more creative solutions becoming available as people, again, have more confidence in the fact that early stage businesses can survive, right? And we ourselves have also in the studio world uh, come up with creative ways of funding some of our ventures where, for example, if you build a venture, at some point you might want to partner with a corporate, right? You mentioned that as well. And that corporate's great because it gives you access to a customer base. Um, that corporate can also actually fund your venture and they can either pay you and create revenue streams for you. They can fund you by, you know, their corporate VC arm. In our case, we have partnerships with certain corporates and we actually build ventures from scratch with them, right? So we, we call it, it's a business unit under Enhance called Enhance Innovation, where we work with large corporates and government organizations where we partner up, we'll recruit the team, we'll build the product in-house as a studio and then spin it off a year later. Sure. We did something similar with ADQ in the form of Right Farm and it's a marketplace for fresh produce, a B2B marketplace. And funding was, you know, primarily provided by ADQ, right? And so there's a lot of opportunity to do more such uh, ventures as well, where you don't necessarily have to raise funds as, as a VC with an LP um, or as founders going to VCs, right? Well, um, I think we have only five minutes, and I'd like to open uh, the floor to questions. I have so many other questions for you guys, but uh, I guess there should be a round two. Uh, do we have any questions from the audience? Anyone? Over there, gentlemen. Hi, so uh, my question is more from a hiring angle. Is there any advice that you guys would give for people trying to get into the sector uh, and work for a lot of the new funds that are popping up or experience or attributes you guys look for in candidates? You mean in like founders, like hiring founders or hiring a team under the founder? Under the founder. Anybody wants to take a stab at this? Yeah, but I mean, hiring, hiring a team. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. So I think it's a, it's a tough one to crack, right? Because talent and hiring is, is, is a big pain point in the region. And I think we're just trying to find ways to like support our portfolio companies with that. We've started implementing like uh, proprietary playbooks where like, you know, we kind of like share our experience and like the way like a team can be structured and governance and all of that. And I think, you know, we also have spent a lot of time networking and have our own network independently of outliers where we can kind of like pick and like hear from people like find, you know, looking for like their next uh, journey and like you know trying to kind of like get into the startup world or like the vc world or or the tech ecosystem in general and and we are always here to kind of like support people that want to be part of um of this journey and and if there is an opening we'll we'll make the introduction and um yeah i think for now that's it so we at enhance have a talent database that we uh, keep up to date where we're meeting people constantly all the time potential founding talent you know, potential marketing team members and, and whatnot. And uh, so now I'd urge you to go to our website. And if you're interested in any of our ventures, you know, just shoot us an email. We can put you in touch with the HR team for that respective team. And 
uh, we, as a studio, because we're constantly building, we constantly have new roles coming up. What we do look for, to answer your question more directly, is somebody with um, you know, a hunger and passion to learn, to start off with. Um, some sort of entrepreneurial ambition helps uh, because when you join an early stage venture, you're kind of, your role is not limited to just what that job description might say. You end up doing anything and everything under the sun, right? And so you learn, you definitely learn a lot, but we want people who are hungry to learn, who are team players, who don't just want a nine to five job. Right? I'm sure you've heard this in many different variations over, over time, but it, it is that passion to create something that makes a difference at the end of the day. I'm going to have to say something as well, a bit controversial, but uh, please don't call me for this. But uh, uh, so, you know, we as uh, even as an accelerator, even as me being a founder, many startups, uh, I always look for people with passion and everybody tells me, you know, you need to hire the rock star or whatever term they're using these days. Uh, and it's fantastic. But you also have to make sure hire that people are very passionate, that they know their stuff at your level. Because, you know, you can't say, you know, I see a lot of these people and um, I don't mean anything by saying this, but, you know, he's ex-Kareem, he's ex-Talabat. That's fantastic. But, you know, you know, my question was, when did you come into Kareem? When did you come into Talabat? Because in, as Ritesh said, you know, when you're the first five people on the team, you're literally doing everything. You're doing invoicing, you're calling, uh, you're doing product uh, research. You're actually running around paying people salaries and stuff like that. So you need people passionate that really care uh, about the business and uh, that really can add value to your day-to-day. -day. Uh, that's something that we will have to say. And by the way, it's not just about doing everything or wanting to do everything. It's also, can you do it for peanuts? <laughs> so for example, yesterday, uh, Mudassar was on stage at the Astrolabs event and he made it a point to share how, you know, a lot of the team members that they had joining, not just early on, even halfway through the journey, for example, were getting paid one third of their market value, right? to still want to join that team when there is no clear light at the end of the tunnel, nowhere near it yet, especially in the early days, and to do it for one third of the salary that you could be making elsewhere, yeah. that's actually a fantastic litmus test for passion, yeah, if you ask I, me. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Any more? I can only allow one question with a time because we need to give up the stage. So. Is I thought we were the last ones. There's nobody after us. Anyway. No, no, there's a demo day that is coming oh, after. Ah, they day, need yeah. to revamp the stage. <laughs> so I can give one or two of their very brief questions, but you choose who gets it. Uh, I'm sorry. Get some... She's waving like okay, mad there. Waving. One, and maybe another, if your question is short Energy. and the answers are short. Well, firstly, thank you, guys. This has been so insightful. Um, I'm a tech founder and woman in tech in this region. People told me it's going to be difficult, but I was like headstrong, but it's difficult. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. On the, on the people that believe in you, that uh, invested in you without paying. So as a startup founder, I'm going through that right now where I have a lot of people working, helping, doing everything and there's this level of guilt where I want to give them so much and I want to give them something and I don't, uh, how do you structure something like that where you want to incentivize them and you want them to know that you value them and, you know, you appreciate them. So from your experiences, I know you can do like an ASOP and all that, but when you're so early, what are the best advice you can give to people like me? 
I love this question. I, I feel like there's a coaching component to, to, to the answer, obviously. Um, I think it's really hard. I don't think no one has the answer, right? I think if you're yourself and you're like really honest with your team about the highs and the lows and the challenges and the successes, you know, I think to me personally, that's like such a big part of the job that's done, right? And I think that if you hire people that's aligned in terms of like your values, it's also like extremely helpful, right? Because you're on the same page, you understand the same things, like, you know, ideally they're joining you and they know like what they're up to and, and it's going to be a long journey and like, you know, you're going to sweat together, but you're here to support one another and, and you just have to, you know, just do it. But, you know, I don't think there's a perfect answer. I think that's just a human sort of like response. Just be as transparent as possible with, with your team. Well, also, I would say, like when I said, you know, pay them peanuts, you, I think, laughed the loudest, I noticed. Uh, so I assume that's what you do with your team. But, uh, but in general, though, look, <laughs> sure, how much is that worth, I wonder. So, so now, I, I don't think you should ever feel guilty about not paying them more because you're paying them as much as you can, I assume, while balancing the fact that you need cash to grow the company and get it to the next level. Because if you don't have that runway and that cash and you don't get to the next level, then they're going to be looking for a job again soon anyway, right? And I'm sure they don't want that. So it is a trade-off. And also keep in mind, this, it's, it's a free world. They can work wherever they want and they chose to work with you at the price that you set, right? So they're there out of choice and free will. If they're unhappy at some point and they feel like they want to make more, they'll quit, they'll leave, right? They'll find something else. So you're obviously giving them, at least to a certain extent, what they're looking for, I would hope, right? And that can be everything from the excitement of being at a startup. It could be, you know, um, learnings that they get from you or from other team members, right? So as long as you create enough of these opportunities for them to learn and keep growing professionally um, and they're happy, they'll stay and give them more responsibility, for example, over time as they prove themselves, right? But I'll come back to learning. We, for example, at Enhance, what we do is, you know, every couple of weeks we'll have a brown bag lunch where we'll bring in an expert either from outside the organization or from within, an expert on a certain topic uh, who teaches anybody and everybody that would like to attend and quite well attended. In fact, almost everybody decides to join. So I'd like to think that's the proof is in the pudding. They like what they're hearing and they're learning. And, um, and, and you pick random talk. It could be negotiations, growth hacking. I mean, you name it, right? Um, how to come up with a brand story uh, and everything in between. And so as long as you're giving them those opportunities, they'll want to stay. And then, of course, you want to supplement that with ESOP, right? I would also encourage any first-time founder to be as transparent as possible because that's partly why people join your team is because they want to learn about the journey what they have to go through to build a startup. Some of them might have entrepreneurial ambitions of their own, right? So if you can give them that, that um, you know, those insights into what it is to be a founder so that they can then go and become a founder themselves at some point, they would love you for it and they'll stay for as long as they possibly can. And on that, I'm really sorry, but I need to back it. <laughs> but please have a closing words if you have. I'm not going to cut you off. So please go ahead, Abe, if you want to close this. Yes, no. anyone wants to say something to finish today with? I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for what's in store for this ecosystem now that we have 
you know, more investors, more funding, more founders, more ideas, and people actually taking that leap of faith into you know, quitting their corporate jobs and, and, you know, starting, following their passion. Uh, in fact, at Jitex, I had somebody who came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and I didn't recognize him. He said, I don't expect you to recognize me, but, you know, something you said at an event a few months ago, I asked you a question, should I quit my job? And I gave him uh, an answer that basically had a bunch of caveats and, and you know, prerequisites before you quit. Apparently, it satisfied all of that, that the whole list, and he quit. And the next day, uh, launched his own startup, and now he's making revenue. In fact, we're paying client ourselves at one of our portfolio companies, Enhance. And it's just nice to see that people are willing to follow their dreams and passions, right? And, and so that gives all of us hope as investors, as ecosystem players of all sorts, right? So very excited. Yep. So I don't quit your job, though. Come talk. To yeah, me exactly. Don't I can give you that list. Yeah, just uh, talk to people first. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find our content on Anagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Follow us on social media at Step Conference, and let's stay in touch.